Hello and welcome to Raven and Ramblin', a Signet and Swan bonus episode to our Raven Mad podcast. You are joined this evening, or whatever time you're listening to our episode, by me, Olivia French, and me, Alexandra Mivak. Welcome, we hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Raven and Ramblin' yet again. So <laughs> Thank today, you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's thank so you lovely so to much. have you here. Um, we assume you're there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just random players yes. are playing us and nobody's listening. Yeah, no one's there. Which is possible. It I'm, could be. I mean, fine. I'm hopeful that there's actually people I'm there. I'm happy to be ambient sound. I mean, I think we do actually have really lovely voices. So even if no one's listening for the actual content, hey, it's just to hear us. Yeah, yeah. why not? It's why enjoyable. Not? We can just... Lull you into sleep with yeah. our kind of white noise yeah. that we're producing. What a wonderful like idea. A washing machine. Let's not market this. Maybe not like my washing noise. machine because mine is like a rocket taking <laughs> off, but like a washing machine, a peaceful washing machine. A peaceful washing machine. Welcome. Welcome. Yes. Um, uh, we're going to be talking to you uh, about our Raven Mad production uh, that Signets One is doing. It is the, uh, based on the adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe's classic poems uh, and, and prose. And we've got some exciting things to discuss to sort of talk about, I guess, our process, uh, how this has sort of come about, and yeah, a few things like that. Well, there's a couple of a couple of good things that I've got scribbled on my note card down here. Yes, yes, they are good things. <laughs> so first of all, we wanted to, I guess, introduce how the concept came about. So for a long time, uh, I have been working with poetry prose in a choral speaking choir, which is essentially people speaking in unison. And doing poetry, it's a pretty old, it dates back to Greek times. Yeah. And as part of that process, there were so many times where I was like, oh, I'd love to make a quality recording of this mm-hmm. and put it to art so that yes. people well, could. Well, it, because it, it's a form of art. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose coupling that together, like well, what a power be, move. It would be a way in for people that might find classical text difficult to get into or even i suppose the part, part of it was that poetry can be daunting like oh, it's hard yes. to access so whether yeah. it is whether it is classical poetry or even modern poetry yeah it's still people people find it a bit i guess intimidating yeah yeah and often poetry can be read really boring just <laughs> like as in throwing some shade very early yeah. on <laughs> we decided to do this because everyone else was uh, not great <laughs> But it can be because, like, people pick it up and they just go, it's poetry, and then they just, like, read it in a monotone. You just go, no wonder nobody likes it. Mm. Um, so th- that I'd been stewing on that for a really long time. Mm. And Marinating. Then, um, either. Mm. Yeah. Both. Um, they complement. They do. So the concept came from wanting to produce a good recording of that. Yes. Originally when I started with my students doing choral speaking, one of the pieces that drew me yes. was The Raven. Of course. Because it sounds so good wow. and I had this idea in my head of how it could come out. Oh, and it's and beautiful. Like yeah. it's iconic. And like it it's works. so it does. That like when you think of Poe, it's he it's almost when you Edgar Allan Poe, it's synonymous with the Raven. Like that is uh, that or possibly the Telltale Heart. There's, yeah. You've got you've got a poem and you've got a short story. And the Simpsons. 
and they said, "Well, yes." But see, but then they have done both of those. They've exactly. done they've done That's it with Lisa's why, yeah. rival of the Telltale totally. Heart. They've done the Raven in like one of the um, Treehouse of Horrors episodes. Like when you think of Edgar Allan Poe, you think of one of those two yeah. pieces yeah. because they are spectacular pieces of literature. Mm. They are so beautifully and cleverly crafted. There's so much that's wonderful about it. No wonder mm. we're drawn to it because it's just good. So mm. I wanted to record. ultimately record a choir. I wanted to do the visuals, which I haven't got around to with the choir as well, so that I could give a really good example of. Um, but it just it took a long time to happen. Mm-hmm. And then an opportunity came up to get some funding. Yes. And in the meantime, I had another probably 700 ideas. Doesn't sound like you at all. I No, no. And <laughs> I decided that it was about time because I had a moment actually during lockdown. Oh, like an epiphany are we talking about um, here? I had a crisis or was it a breakdown? Oh, of, yeah, breakdown. of whether or not I was going to continue doing art-related work okay. or whether I was going to just um, throw it all in. Mm-hmm. And go into the garden. So put in some funding applications and I was like, okay, let's get this idea on the road. And I thought, what could work and who could I work with? Uh Because partly making ideas happen in terms of actually the actions of well, it, they, getting, they, getting it to They never function. happen in isolation, do they? Like it's never it's a one. a little bit too much for oh, one woman. Well, particularly when you have hundreds of them like you do. Oh, so, <laughs> particularly so I needed then. help with my 700 ideas. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm helping with one. Oh, no, no, that's not entirely true. I'm helping with like four. That's yeah. again, okay, again, not the point, not yeah. the point. We're talking not about all one. all 700. No. You should really pull up your socks and lift your game. <laughs> However. I think you need to broaden your social circles. <laughs> You're saying I don't have any friends. No, I'm saying you, when you have, you say when I'm you have old, then you say I have no friends. I'm saying that when you've got hundreds of ideas, <laughs> like I think it's wonderful that there's an opportunity to create sure. multiple connections. And when I say multiple, I mean maybe like with 300 other people so that each of them can help with like two or three ideas. I'm trying. So you, think, you are. You we are. don't have and enough. And I mean, it. hey, look, look, we're putting it out into the world now. Maybe someone listening will go, you know what? I want to work with Alexandra I Bieber. I do. And she, look, listen to that. I mean, to be fair, who wouldn't want to listen to that voice? <laughs> Anywho. I was like, I thought of you. You did. I did. You did. I did. It's because so you teach gothic literature. I do. I do. I'm and a teacher. Thought, That's my day job. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, well, we're doing The Raven. We are. Let's make it a thing. Let's, and we did. Like we sort of went. We, I love that we were like, there's this one piece and that is actually spawned like a much broader concept of what we've actually yeah. done. Like we've included so many more things. So again, for a little bit yeah. of context, um, what Raven Mad essentially is and what, is it, what it's ended up being is that after Alex sort of introduced this idea to me and I went, great, I'm a total nerd. I love Gothic literature. In particular, I love Edgar Allan Poe. Like I love, like, uh, I mean, who, I mean, who doesn't love this stuff? Like currently in modern society, we are obsessed with true crime podcasts and watching murder mysteries. Like those are the types mm. of things that, you know, I mean, God, people listen to, to calm down, like, or to, to, to do what, you know, while they're cleaning or whatever, they, they love consuming that stuff. I suppose humans always have, like if we're honest, like there's a reason that, that crime and all of this horror has been splashed mm. all over the tablets. Mm. So we've, we've always loved this stuff and Poe has always been a master of it. Um, but I just, uh, I think I've always found with this particular brand of Gothic literature, if you will, some people find it inaccessible. Like it's, if well, the you, language if, can be challenging. It's a barrier. Like it's, it's yeah. beautiful language, but we don't tend to use words like sagacity in I everyday form. You, you did. You, you weaved it in. You're, you're different. 
You, you're different. You're also you weaved it in because because you've had to say it in recording. That's like, true. It's and it's. Beautiful. I didn't actually know what sagacity was prior no. to this. Right? Or sagacious, I should say. It depends on the it depends on the story. But that's the thing. Like, there's 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 a, there's a myriad of words that are used in Poe's poems in his in his prose mm. that we don't tend to use in modern society. Even the mm. syntax of the sentences. And to be fair, poetry isn't exactly normal sentence structure and conversation, but no. it's, it's hard to access because of the words used and the way it's arranged. And we go, oh, that's also a little bit, that, that, people might go, that's a bit too highbrow for me. Like, it's a little bit too literary. I'm not about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a pity because they're great, but there are those barriers that are in place. And so mm. as the nerdy literature teacher that I am, I went, I want in some way to help people get at it because they're great mm. stories and mm. they're beautiful poems and they like they delve into the darker side of humanity and somehow make it beautiful even though it is so in some cases depraved um mm. it's and wonderful and, and yeah, yeah absolutely and grotesque also in, mm. in some instances i i loved the idea of like i don't want to say breathing new life into it because to be honest like it's it's been alive for a couple hundred mm. years now but to make it more accessible so that it sees the light of day yeah. for other people. By using actors and performers who yeah. can bring the text to life. Yes. <laughs> Which it feels page. a bit cliche, doesn't it? it? Like it, it does. It does. It does. I, think it does. I was struggling to find no. another word. There but are I'm some no things. Po, no, so. well, I mean, who is? Well, he is. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I think some things, it's not designed to be just read inside your head. Yeah. And I think with a lot of these things, it is meant to be shared or mm. heard and experienced. Mm. Because if you're just reading it inside your own head, that's fine. I mean, gosh, experience it the way you want to experience it. But. I think it just gives so much greater depth and beauty to mm. when you're speaking it, you're saying mm. it out loud, or you're listening to someone else read to you. There's mm. something so much more powerful and immersive. Well, it's it's like Shakespeare in the sense that often when you hear someone say it the way it's meant to be said, it makes with the sense. punctuation, oh, etc., yeah. and with the emphasis placed in the right spot. Yes, it makes sense. It and does. putting emphasis in the right spot is so important it when is. it comes to meaning it is, and interpretation oh my so, god so this was this was to act as a resource i get to, yes. to get to the it was mm. to perform the text yeah. and then get artists local artists or international in in one scenario in one, yes. one case um artists to contribute in the visual sense so that mm. we would do a release of podcasts and then down the track you know breaking news <gasps> we will also gasp. reveal <laughs> <laughs> Some sorry, YouTube Olivia French's videos, uh, YouTube's yeah, short films. They'll call them short films. I think they're short films. Does YouTube so, a uh, verb now? I think it can like be. Google. Yes, oh. I think. Well, I think that's become part of the, oh, the zeitgeist okay. and the vernacular. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to uh, YouTube it. You're going to YouTube it. I, don't, I think that's yeah. it. Like this, this project is is is. I guess if we broke it down, it's two parts. Like it's it's so many different parts, but in its most <laughs> simplest <laughs> form, yep. it's two parts. There are the audiobook adaptations where we have cast characters and narrators of, of these individual stories um, mm-hmm. and we're releasing them as audiobooks on various podcasting platforms like you're listening to this episode now and then after we have done that we've also well alongside after the second component of this project is to use those audio tracks coupled with images now that might be it might be live acted like people performance artists like people filming them are being filmed it might be watercolor illustrations it might be lego stop motion it might be sand art collaborating with different artists to literally visually bring to life the audio like to sort of match that so people have a visual reference as well as the auditory reference so hopefully make more meaning of it yeah yeah 
to make it ex- and you know enjoyable too. Like it's not just that we want go oh good people understand it. We want people to enjoy it and love it like yeah, we do yeah. because we're nerds. Yep. Um, or to be open to when it comes to poetry, a different interpretation. Yes. Yes. Hmm. And I think one of the ways that we have have done that, or one of the, one of the things we've taken into consideration. Well, it's when an casting, isn't it? Like it's, is, it, we, we've is making an, an, an adaptation yeah. of it and putting our own interpretation onto that. Yes, and that's so. Like in some instances, with uh, the the poetry and prose, the poetry we haven't really touched the words of. So with some of the short stories, we've adapted some of the words. So instead of having straight narration, we've added extra characters. We've taken mm. dialogue away from the narrator. When the narrator, it talks about, oh, I asked my servant to do this. We've just gone, why wouldn't we have that character asking the servant exactly. to do the thing just and the p- servant answering? Like yeah. it, it it makes it... To break up the narration a little bit well, too. Well, it can, re- I say this respectfully, it can sometimes get a bit monotonous. Like it's it, yeah. clearly like narration of audiobooks or stories, like that's wonderful and people love that. Mm. But uh, I think the idea of this was to do it a little bit differently and to give voice to individual characters, to break that up. That not, again, I don't like using the word monotony because that implies that it's boring. It's not, it's not boring, but we just wanted to do it in a different way. And yeah. one of the ways that we've adapted, we've made different casting choices. Yeah. Yes. So, so maybe talk a little bit about that because so the first piece that we've did, we released was the Oval Portrait. Correct. Correct. And... Part of the casting choice for that was to, and and we've actually made that choice throughout all of the Where, episodes. Wherever we wherever could, we I think, could, like we, we made was an to include decision. more f- uh, women's voices or, yes. or female voices. Part, in part because, in some cases, the protagonist didn't. It was never specified. No. I think, and, and we, so it we didn't made, matter. So we well, wanted to have yeah. that diversity of, of, of voices coming and I think through. Traditionally, people have probably made the assumption yeah. that it was a male because, respectfully, Gothic literature is dominated by men, by male writers, and by and male a, protagonists. And Poe was male. And, yeah. and, and quite a lot of it does seem to come from his, his voice or yes. his. Which his, is partially so. why people thought he was so weird because they were yeah. they, have you done all of these things? My God, what a freak. <laughs> like, you know, and, and to be fair, he probably did do a few weird yeah. things. But mm, yeah. you're right. Like he's male, he's writing, I guess, in some mm. ways from his perspective, so much of it, it's male dominated as female creatives. We want to hear like, that's what we yeah. like hearing. We want to give more opportunities to more female right. artists, but we also like hearing that. Like we, that's something that we enjoy. Like, I don't know about you, but I like, I, I love a variety of different voices. Like mm. I don't just want to hear the same drudging male. And that's, that's not, again, it's not to criticize about like we've got some incredibly talented male voice artists and, and artists in general, but we wanted variety. We wanted diversity. So we were sort of actively looking for opportunities. Seeking for spots. Yeah. yeah. And one of those, which I think is really interesting and I'd love you to um, expound upon this. I'm happy to do that. Um, <laughs> no. Shocking. Um, <laughs> is... The choice to have a the the second portion of the oval portrait to become yes a the, well from a female from the from the script we said it was the sister yes so it's th- never really actively no, specified but it's that's, not. that was that was our but intent yeah that's yeah. what we sort of went with yes um do, would would you like to explain yeah why? sure sure so we'll, we'll to give the, again a little bit of context and I won't go for 13 minutes with this um but the oval portrait and hopefully you've you've listened to it if you haven't maybe skip back and listen to that that episode before listening to my explanation it's essentially the story of uh this this noble lord 
uh, is, is injured. He and his valet take shelter for the night in an abandoned chateau. He's up, he's in pain, he's late, and this the, the room in which they've, they've, they've settled is filled with these beautiful portraits. They're extraordinary. And there is mm. one that the Lord happens upon that is so deeply compelling. It's almost otherworldly. There is something about this portrait that entirely captures his attention for hours. And after a time, after sort of fixedly staring at it, marveling at it, he, he's found this volume that deals with the painting's history. It's sort of its providence of how it came to be. And you sort of, you, you reveal the story of the person who's depicted in the portrait. Mm. So the first half of it is this Lord narrating, describing how they've gotten to the chateau and what they've found there and settling in for the night. So half of it is a male lord who is injured there's we've also got a you know his valet who was supporting him so we've got little interjections i suppose from the valet and the second half when he goes to read the background information about this compelling portrait we decided instead of it coming from his perspective reading from a book within a story like so a story mm. within a story we thought, well, all right, well, who would have actually detailed the history mm. of this portrait? Like, it's, it's, it's a portrait of a young woman, I think I should, I should say. Yes, I didn't but say don't, that. Don't, don't give it away okay, as to what happens okay. at the end I of the story. I won't. All right, I'll do No spoilers. We no. don't want spoilers. We need them to go listen to it, don't that, we? we do. Well, yes. Yes. Actually, let's just play a clip from the oval portrait right now. With deep and reverent awe, I replaced the candelabrum in its former position, the cause of my deep agitation being thus shut from view. I sought eagerly the volume which discussed the paintings and their histories. Turning to the number which designated the oval portrait, I there read the vague and quaint words which follow. She was a maiden of rarest beauty, and, and not, not more, more lovely, lovely than, than full, full of, glee. of glee. And evil was the hour when she saw, and loved, and wedded the painter. But so the second half, we thought, okay, who would tell the story of this young woman who's mm. depicted? And we thought, well, would the artist have done that? Quite possibly. But it, what we ultimately decided is we thought, well, we're going to write, this is from her sister, her sister's perspective, who is recording, I suppose, what transpired, what befell mm. her sister. Spoiler alert, it's probably not a good thing because it's Poe. There's some, you know, hint well, of yeah, tragedy right. and the macabre. Exactly. But we thought this was a lovely chance to have, I guess, a balance. You've got a male narrator for the first half and then a female narrator for the second. Mm. And Claire, I mean, look, Jack does a wonderful job too, but Claire, Claire does such a beautiful, like, gut-wrenching at times um, performance. And I think giving a female that, that opportunity to talk about her sister, like you... Again, it never actually says I'm writing about my sister and what what mm. happened to her and what. But it doesn't actually say who wrote. No, it, it doesn't. I think that fact, was because it wasn't specified. That's right. And if when you when you listen to the story or if you go and read the story, you you will re- realize you person who is now currently Obviously. listening well, look, to me. Hopefully, multiple people um, go on. Yeah. Yes, well, yes. no, maybe just that one. Okay. Sure. You, that one person who stuck through all of this. I will. It would be impressive at this <clears> point. Go on. <laughs> um, you'll realize that. That we don't actually know who wrote this no, book no. of of descriptions, yeah, yeah, paintings, the descriptions. Of paintings, yeah, and so it was and a, it, it, it might have been interesting been, creative choice. It might have been multiple people who who knows, sure. but we knew for this one that we thought we want a connection because we know that you know when a tragedy is like when a tragedy occurs, it never happens in isolation. Uh, mm. Multiple people are affected uh, because again, spoiler alert, some kind of tragedy. And we thought, well, who could, who would want to share this story? Who would want to make sure that this person who is featured in this portrait is not forgotten? Like the details surrounding it, who would feel mm. compelled to tell us this narrative? Mm. 
And ultimately we decided that the sister, you know, slash best friend, like it's, it's a woman who cared about this woman in the painting. Um, and it's, uh, it was not only a lovely chance to, to give an opportunity to a female actor, but it just really, I felt added such depth and emotion to this story uh, to see the connection, even though you never hear from the, the woman in the portrait, she is silent, but you hear from her sister what took place and, and how the sister felt at each stage of that journey is just so powerful. And hopefully, again, like, you know, it's never stated, but I suppose our hope is in our adaptation that, you know, people can make from that what they will, but that's our interpretation. That was sort of our intention in mm. telling the story that way. It also, I think, brings to life just that question of who wrote it. Yes. Like, because because how, it's not stated. Exactly. How are we finding out? And and exactly. And mm. that means that they can imagine for themselves who may well have written it. Yes. And I think interpretation of literature particularly for poetry but even even Shakespeare even even some of parts of Poe's prose Poe's prose Poe's prose a bit of alliteration say, yeah, say that three times fast Poe's prose Poe's prose Poe's prose <laughs> you actually did really well thank you so much yeah <laughs> I was just working on my articulation my yeah. enunciation yeah. thank you thank you <laughs> is is that it stands out that there are mo- there can be multiple interpretations. Well, and, and so and what I find really interesting when I looked up, say, The City and the Sea and El Dorado. Which are our next and, projects. Yeah, some, A Dream with a Dream, we, Dream Within a Dream, which we do much later. The looking up the interpretation just to see whether or not what I got from the poetry yeah. was the same as what all those smart people on the internet that put like up the essays. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the ones where well, they, they do the study guides yeah, and things like absolutely. that. Or, just, or even like that students put out there to say, hey, what do you think of this? Hmm. Um, because you're right. Like I think one of the things that you've talked to me about is that each person hearing or reading or experiencing the poem, the short story, we'll probably get something a little bit different out of it. Certain mm. things stand out to us more or we make our own inferences based on our own experiences or mm. our own preferences or ideas. Mm. So that honestly, it's not even just that there's one different interpretation or a few. Every different person gets something mm. different out of it depending on their own circumstance. Mm. And I think that uh, we can have these things in our in our minds and we can work with our actors and they sort of have that as our intention but how other people receive it is different mm. entirely but that's beautiful mm. like that's so wonderful that different people can get so much out of it and that we go my god I never intended that but great mm. yeah mm. which is why I always find it funny when people go uh, uh, speculate that the, the the poet or the author must have meant yes. xyz and yes. I was just like you know what they could have just been having a sad day oh. They no, the wall just... is painted blue because they are depressed. And it's like, what if they like blue? Yeah. They just might like blue. Yeah. Or, or they may or... have just ha- only had blue there that day. <laughs> Maybe they it. were poor. That Maybe they could only afford the blue. <laughs> exactly. Or they were looking out the window yeah. and water fell down and they're, they're and going, I mean, that's a metaphor yeah. for their internalised feelings. And maybe it is. Because maybe it is. And look, they're drawn is... to it. But I do sometimes feel like we over I think sometimes we do, but I also, I will say one thing. I love making those connections. I love when I'm working with students, someone pointing something out and going, I wonder if by this they meant this, or if they were deliberately using that word to link back to the time they use it here. Mm. I love that. Mm. I love, like, because it's almost like I can see in the air the spider web of connections that they're making. That is awesome. Like, that yeah. is what good literary analysis is, is making connections. And mm. it might well be a different connection to the person next to you, but that's why you talk about it. 
Like that's why you share those ideas mm. because someone and there's else, no right answer. No, no, that's which I mean I that's think is what I love thing. about it. Yes, particularly with art. Yes, that there is no right answer. No, it's it's your yeah. own interpret. It's what you get out yeah. of it, what you notice, what what has impact with you. Gaily bedight, a gallant knight in sunshine and in shadow, had journeyed long, singing a song in search of El Dorado. I'd be very curious to hear people's interpretation and their response to El Dorado. Yes, because that's our because, that's our first poem that we've yeah, shared. Tell us, tell us a little bit about it. Well, I don't look. Originally, when we jotted down our notes, I was going to give my interpretation, but I actually don't think I want to oh, okay. because You're of keep that. that close to the chest. No, 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 no. Let no, them make no, it what not they to will. keep it to, to my chest, but more because more because I I don't think it's important that people hear how I interpret it but more that how they feel it themselves because I don't think I I didn't necessarily make creative choices when directing that Mm -hmm. that were intentionally oh they're gonna think about influenced exactly because because I do believe that that particular poem is a is a journey and that 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 journey journey means could be different depending on who's listening yeah at any given time and their life experiences because I know that the effect that it has on me is very driven by the experiences and the amount of people I've lost in my life. Yes. So that has then coloured how I interpret that yeah, poem. Right. And and, <clears throat> and probably even your appreciation for it and yeah, what yeah. that then ultimately means. And, yeah. like, whether you whether you choose to share your interpretation or not. Well, if people really want me to, you I mean, know, look, I mean, you could, you could send write us in, some fan email, mail. And oh, my I'll... God, could you imagine if we got fan mail? <laughs> I would lose <laughs> my Alex, mind. I really want to know what yes, your interpretation tell us, is. Well, right in, tell us. Thank well, you very much. Right. Well, I guess we'll have to do another one of <clears> these raven and rambling and uh, episodes. Yeah. Great. yeah. However, the city and the sea, I feel like there needs to be a little bit of justification around the creative choices. So, yeah. And originally, so this, is, this, should, this the, is the most recent poem that's been released. Yes. The city and the sea. Yes. yes. Great. And so that one, to begin with, it was purely a creative choice because I wanted the choral. Element. voices yep. to come through mm-hmm. and that's because when I saw the poem that's what I heard Ooh. and there are some poems that work as choral speaking and some that don't that really sense. really don't yeah. and have you discovered I that heard... through trial and error or just what you hear yeah. in your head well, like have you wanted both right so you've tried to do a poem in the past and just gone oh this was an awful idea yeah. it sounds like garbage yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and of course you know we've been doing it for some time now yeah. so it's um you, you definitely yeah. develop a, a year for it. Yeah. yeah, And when I read that now I can almost hear it yeah. just when I read it, whether or not it will work. Yeah. So the city and the set, I made that choice originally. And then when we heard the girls together, yes, they, it just, it was, it was haunting. Yeah. And then that made, obviously, cause they're in the water and they're talking about the water and they're talking about this city that's beside the sea, which could be Atlantis. It could be. Well, it, see, that, it, that's it, what it I went be, to. Like, I yeah. feel like there's a, um, one of the things that Poe does, well and probably often is these uh illusions whether it is to other literature yeah. whether it is to mythology um and as soon as i looked into the city and the sea because i'm not as familiar with his poetry like mm. i think i was more familiar with his prose mm. um obviously aside from the raven that when i read it i pictured atlantis the lost city of atlantis mm. like sinking mm. into the sea that's immediately the imagery mm. that that i got well when we heard the voices ah oh. In in combination, and then there was um, Lana's voice in particular. There's this there's this mo this moment where she says, um, "It's it's the kingly halls, 
Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Isn't that line? Yes. And I was Up like, Kingley Halls. Oh, yeah, there's the way something. She said it oh about it, and I was God. just like, oh, there's That's sirens. It. There it there's is. Sirens. Exactly. But light from out the lurid sea streams up the turrets silently, gleams up the pinnacles far and free, up domes, up spires, up kingly halls, up fanes, up Babylon like walls. Up shadowy, long-forgotten bowers of sculptured ivy and stone flowers. Given her love of uh, Olympus lore, like she she, yeah. she loves mythology, yeah. so she'd be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved, I liked that interpreter, and then we sort of we, we developed that further because that yes. was in a, an early rehearsal, and we developed that further. And, sort of, I guess, what playing I, to that. Yeah, I think yeah. that sort of informed your direction, but I even think the mindset with which our three women approached these these mm. recordings mm-hmm. was that you know when we think of sirens we think of luring sailors yeah, to their to deaths death. um and, and again what, macabre i liked but, the fact that because it's the city of sin like it's referenced it's a mm. city of sin but to me that speaks on a very current level like mm. i think that this poem to me feels like the inevitable destruction of empire yes again and, and again, again and again and again. And, and it is referenced a few times there are a few lines within the piece that reference this Pre- idea that yeah. even the mighty fall yes and and death will get us all is that kind isn't of it fascinating oh, little... but I, I think what's fascinating with some of ultimately that we it wasn't a conscious or deliberate thing but a, a lot of the stories that we have chosen the poems that we have chosen are still so relevant and I guess mm. that speaks to why I think we love Poe and why Poe like people still know Poe kind of like Shakespeare like the mm. reason we still talk about these these writers they hundreds of years after death is that the the themes the ideas mm. the characters like the emotions that these people experience mm are still things that we feel today. Like it might not look exactly the same. Like it might not be full Montague and Capulet and on a balcony and, you know, soft or, mm. or and it might not be an actual city going to ruin. It might mm. not actually be a bird tormenting you, but those feelings, those ideas, those themes are universal. Like we as humans still mm. see and experience those, those things. So we keep coming back to them. So no wonder we love these stories, you and I at least, and hopefully like three people who are listening. We <laughs> oh, love it's, them. it's graduated. To it has, it's not one anymore. Well, it's one three. person called two of their You're friends. Right. And they're all sitting around the one <laughs> device listening to it. Having a cup of tea it. and sharing can, a tip And you know what I bet it is? It's people on the production team who are like, why did we let these guys anywhere like loose near a microphone? Why? Why would we do that? Without a script, with dot point notes scrawled on the back of a booklet. Why? Oh dear. Well, it's not an envelope. It's not. It's a step it's, up. It's, it's a, a step it's an actual it's thing it's a thing for for this kind of writing yeah, yeah so that and that's why we, why we love those they're still relevant like they're still right. yeah and i feel like we're heading for another empire fall so city in the sea Whoop. it's relevant foreshadowing for you there yeah, folks that's right yeah. that's right speaking of foreshadowing look at that <laughs> oh, on this little piece I, have, of I love You've that got i do i love so i love talking also about literary techniques so one of the things that i did want to talk about without going, you know, without spoilers, without going too much into too much details. I love foreshadowing as a literary device that often we don't appreciate in the moment. It's only Is it because into- you find it and then you get really excited that you found I it? I think I feel a bit smug. Okay. <laughs> like I think I go, oh, there it is. Like it tells you what's going to happen. Foreshadowing is like a hint. It hints to something that will eventuate. And we, we see it actually in, in films too. It's done in different ways with films. But, um, for example, 
Have you seen the Bourne identity, like the Jason Bourne films? I haven't. Okay, okay. Well, um, without giving away spoilers, um, there's a particular scene in which you see Matt Damon enter, and I can't remember whether he picks it up or the camera just sort of pans to it and you see it. There's a pen on the desk. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I saw it being like, why the hell are you bothering? Like, this is it's quite a, a pen. It's, but it's point? also, it's a fast-paced yeah. film, mm-hmm. like not all of it, but... Why would you waste seconds on the screen doing that and not until... No, I want to guess what it was. Yeah. But I won't. Okay. I won't because you okay. said you didn't want to ruin it. For no, I, well, I mean, I so, can tell you in no. this instant, the pen, I guess, becomes important. Well, it, it's used later in a fight. Like, so seven minutes later, whatever. Why he stab someone in the eye or something? Well, you know, in the hand. It's pretty gruesome. Oh, it's intense. Wow. It is. Yeah, like you see it go underneath it's the skin and the tent, the possibly. It's, yeah. There is violence. Yeah. Like, the huge irony being there's quite a bit of violence in Poe, Alex. I have oh, some bad yeah, news I for know, you. Oh, yeah, I know, but you don't have to see it. Well, I mean, we are making short films oh, with illustrations. Oh, yeah, but we still don't is that, is that like there's that an extra layer that you there don't is, actually I, there is. Okay. I find stuff like really hardcore stuff yeah. i find that really hard too to much watch. okay i go because i can feel it so what do you do i go <laughs> <laughs> i can feel it so okay anyway. so we're trying to we bring it back so it's done differently in films but um it's still it's still spoken what foreshadowing is it's a hint that happens early on or throughout a story that ultimately becomes important or significant or revealing of what mm. happens at the end. Mm. So it, it, like it uh, foreshadowing it, it hints it, it forewarns, it gives you that hint early on. And in um, our next uh, short story up, the next piece of prose mm. um, is The Cask of Amontillado, which mm. I love. I was not as familiar with when we began this project, no, but we, no. we, you know, we read it when we were choosing the, the poetry and prose that we yes. wanted to do. And I loved it because there's foreshadowing in it. Like it yeah. hints at, um, spoiler alert again there, it involves um, death. Like it, I don't think that's an ultimately a spoiler. No, hopefully no. not. Um, but it, 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 the ending's cool. The ending is really cool. But there is some beautiful foreshadowing that hints to ultimately what's going to befall one of the two characters. So there's two characters: there's Montresor and there is Fortunato, and one of them is sort of it's about revenge. It's a tale of revenge. Yeah. And there are hints sort of along the way of not only that death is going to come to one of the characters mm. but also it hints as to how it's going to mm. but it's never so overt as to say he's i'm going to kill him like this like it, mm. it's never that, that's the beautiful thing i think mm. about good foreshadowing it's enough that once you've read it that you go oh, oh. my god of course they mentioned that because that's what they yeah. use like so yeah. it, it's a good piece of foreshadowing it hints enough but it doesn't give it away so mm. it's it's no spoilers it's just a subtle nudge that until you've actually reached the end that you go that bastard told me. Like, I, I mm. could have seen this coming, but I didn't. And while we're on that note, we should play a, a short section of the Cask of Amontillado so that you listeners can hear what we're talking about and, and look out for that foreshadowing. You're a man to be missed. Uh, for me, it is no matter. Uh, we will go back. You will be ill, and I cannot be responsible. Besides, uh, there is Lucas. Enough! The cough is a mere nothing. It will not kill me. I shall not die of a cough. True, true. And indeed, I had no intention of alarming you unnecessarily. Thematically, uh, yeah, it's a story about revenge. I love the foreshadowing in it. I love uh, the, the fact that it is a recount and you almost have like it's, uh, it jumps between recount and then like taking you back into the past. Like, so it's, it's sort of present, past, present. And it's it's just... I think one of the other things that I really love about this story is that it is um, 
like the the imagery like the 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 visual uh language that is in there like you mm. picture what they're doing and where they are mm. and I, I got a lot of that yeah out of it when i read it yeah, yeah. and it's not just because it's a colorful yeah. tale like it's set in, in italy it's got a cool it's actually in, in comparison i remember when we originally chose to do this one in comparison to i think another piece that we'd chosen which was the black cat and we we went with this one because we decided that we we liked the opportunity for there to be that dialogue oh, and the bouncing that, between yeah, the two of them because we had some we already had a few that well, relied very heavily on a narrator and to be fair so does quite a few of Poe's works yeah. it is it is more yeah. narrative so the bounce driven. between them was almost was almost comical yeah well the banter well I mean yeah. to be fair one of them is dressed as a clown so like that does yeah. add to the comedy yeah. but you're right it's that back and forth and good. the energy and I think yeah. that's one of the other things where we go hey we want to do this a bit differently previously the narration would have been the whole thing it would have been one person's mm. voice but we loved the idea of having that back and forth because yep. that gives it a certain energy yeah um, and not and many of our other pieces do that actually no not in the same way that no, this I would piece agree. has with yes. the dialogue and yeah. it sort of stood out because of that but i think because we had that visual imagery that was really really beautiful that it was immersive because it made you picture where they were what they mm. were doing what they looked like but i think one of the things that we've done in this and in other stories too is we've actually incorporated music and sound effects like special effects um to sort of add to that immersion and i guess have it almost feel like the audience is there is watching Mm. is feeling is smelling like whatever it is they use it you're engaging on in multiple senses somehow Mm. this story and what's taking place and i think at key moments like you know in in the story they're down in catacombs so you can hear water dripping and you can hear when when one of them uncorks a bottle of wine you can hear that and you you, you know what that looks like and feels like so you you jolt at the pop of that of that cork and the gulping of it going down like so there's so jacob um was our sound designer for for the cask of Montiato, and he just has built this world of sfx to make it feel like you're there and there are certain moments at the start they're in carnival like you know it's a party mm. there's music there's hubbub in the background so i think it helps then bring the audience in like it it's another way of bringing of the audience them, but really. also to bring to life like i think that's a, another aspect of this project that works really well mm. for the educational perspective that yes. we originally or the interpretive perspective and the intent is yeah. that the sound effect hopefully the sound effects the music the 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 voice actors are in, helping in, in connection to, yeah. in connection yeah all of those things combined means that if there are words in there that might be unusual that p- people don't yeah. understand that within the context that they're placed within yes with people all the can things make the that are happening they can around, make the exactly. educated guess like that's that's such it a big helps thing to inform on, it does. on a different level than yes. looking it up in a dictionary and then going yes. oh, okay yeah i understand vaguely maybe yeah yeah. And I mean, look, so, our brains sort of do that automatically, even if we're just reading in isolation. Mm. If we understand most of the words in a sentence, we can make, yeah. we can infer, we can make yeah. intelligent guesses yeah. about what that word means. But, but hopefully, we're just helping it along. Well, we are. And hopefully it's less of a, like a, a concentration. Hopefully it, it's an easier mm. uh, inference. A more enjoyable we, way yeah, of learning. Exactly. And well, and Wouldn't you know, it be nice if all learning was like it this? It would be wonderful. It yeah. would be wonderful. But, and, and that's also what sort of marks this, this story as a part from, a, from other tales where sometimes the sound is immersive and it's sort of part of the world where the other characters would hear it and experience it, mm. you know, diegetic sound. Yeah. And then you have non-diegetic sound, which is uh, sounds that 
we have added purely for our audience. So the, the characters of the story wouldn't hear or experience them themselves, like when they were talking amongst themselves. So in uh, The Oval Portrait, throwing back to, to our first story, we've actually mm. got some beautiful music composed by Marais, one of our yeah, composers, yeah. that – is purely for the audience. It, the characters, like, you know, they're, they're in an no, abandoned it, chateau. There's exactly. no way there would be a, like, you know, an orchestral <laughs> well, just score just playing. A little bit ethereal. I mean, no, You never know, the no. ghosts of Christmas past. Honestly, I don't think so. No? I don't. Okay. Look, there is a chiming of a clock that they would hear, but there's also stuff that has been purely added for the purpose of our, like, you know, yeah. I guess of narrative storytelling for the, the audience. Mood, the mood. Yeah, yeah, and it sets it sets the mood. And, that like, that mood and that tone is a huge thing in this storytelling. Like, you know... We see it in films. Music can entirely transform a scene, as can the absence of sound, and it sets the tone of the like. It's, it's you know when there's a jump scare coming because of that, like you know the violin mm. playing, it's stringing mm. it out. So, I think that's another thing that I've really loved about this project is not even just the sound effects, but the music that we've been able to build into these stories, whether it is diegetic in the world of the story or whether it is sort of non-diegetic and external to the world that is just for us as the audience either way we get to experience and enjoy it but it just builds on that I guess immersion and hopefully makes it more interesting and engaging and understandable so that you don't have to work as hard to figure out what's happening because you're swept up into the flow of the narration and you get it you're being taken on the journey of this story yeah and you can just you can just enjoy it and that's our gift to you oh you're so welcome (laughs) (laughs) next up we oh what's coming next we have for another group of pieces we have the raven (gasps) i kind of before you i feel pressure with that like uh, uh, me too we, i mean you're the, you're the director for that piece so no wonder like we've yes we've, we've gone with a different a slightly different adaptation to, to how it's normally done and i feel like that's that's kind of the penultimate it's pet piece. it's a little scary it is so anyway we'll see no we'll you'll see be what great we fine like the five people listening will love it <laughs> it's going up one it's the cat and the dog <laughs> and the dog and the dog okay we've got the mask of red death <gasps> which oh, again uh, so we'll talk about relevant like it's literally uh, about a plague so relevant it's 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 about so, how so how wealthy people and you get to hear my dulcet tones oh and again another mm-hmm. opportunity to have female voice actors taking part when right. it's not specified whether it's a male or a female who's mm-hmm. delivering and like you know yeah so it's exciting stuff we've got the raven uh and we've got the mask of red death annabelle fairly iconic piece too like a lot of people have have heard of that um we have our guest director coming in for that um mary Mary rose mclaren our our darling mary rose uh who fought rather valiantly for that poem to be included because both you and i went yes all right (laughs) yeah i admittedly i like it more now that i've heard it oh yeah maybe it's the magic of the project worked on you. The project, it may, I should it's, it's say. Come, it's come back on me. That's it has. Right. Good. It has. Well, that, I, I can't mean, remember what the fourth – is it the Telltale Heart that we're doing? I believe it or is. Or is it the Bells that's being released? Uh, well, look, it's sort of One those, or the other. One or the other. And, again, mm. the Bells, Cole speaking, super yeah, exciting. Like it's so interesting. It's so it's reliant very dynamic. On, it is. It it's is. very dynamic. Um, and and f- reliant on sound. And yep. Yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah, and then, of course – the Telltale, the Telltale Heart, yeah, oh, which is very that's exciting. my favourite. It is. It's unashamedly very my favourite. Oh. So we look forward to having you join us, you, uh, the cat, the dog, and maybe invite the parrot along with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and perhaps you can get them to say never more. That would be great. Mm. That would be great. So, yes, yeah, so look, uh, See thank, you next you, time. thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, we hope you. you're enjoying the project so far. And we should do this again. Only if we get fan mail, though. Yeah. I at least want one sure. piece of fan mail. Just, that's the deal. Just one. That's- <laughs> 
It would just be me. get three under a pseudonym. Typing just because I want to talk to you and have cups of tea. We should have tea. Yeah. Let's go have tea. Okay. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of Raven and Ramblin', a bonus episode for our Raven Mad podcast, produced by me, Olivia French, with Elizabeth Bradford. If you'd like more bonus content like this, then please let us know. You can find us on Instagram at signetandswan underscore or on Facebook at signetandswan. Our Raven Mad podcast, adapting the works of Edgar Allan Poe, can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many other podcasting platforms. If you're enjoying our creative endeavours so far, please leave us a five-star rating or write a review. We would love to hear from you. This podcast was recorded and produced on Wadarong Country, which always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Signet and Swan acknowledge the Wadarong people of the Kulin Nations. We recognise their ongoing connection to the land and waterways and gratefully engage in this form of oral storytelling, which they have practised for tens of thousands of years. Thank you to the Ballarat Arts Foundation for their ongoing support. And I would like to extend my personal heartfelt apologies for the speed at which I speak when I get excited. I was made painfully aware of this when I was editing the episode. I very much hope that I could be understood. Apparently I get a bit carried away when I talk about something I love. I'll try to be aware of it for next time.